0: Let's turn in our Bibles, or on our phones, to Mark chapter 10. Mark 10, we're going to be verses 46 to 52. Um, ESV version as normal. If you do not have a Bible with you this morning, there are some uh, under the chairs at the end of each row. In a world of plenty... In a world of of more than enough, a surplus of everything, what is it that you really want? What is it that you desire most? I want you to think of this answer and what it would be, because it's a question that Jesus likes to ask, and it's one that he asked Bartimaeus in our passage this morning, and it's one that he's asking you right now. What is it that you really want? Are you unsettled until you get it? And then unsettled again until you get a better version of it? Whatever this thing is that's going to improve your life, are you desperate for it? Is this thing or this person going to make you complete. It's good to be desperate. It's good to be desperate. But to be desperate for the right things. Are you desperate to receive God's mercy in order to see Christ more clearly? Let me say that again. Are you desperate to receive God's mercy in order to see Christ more clearly. That's we're gonna. It's a question we're gonna explore this morning in our in our passage in our our seven verses here. So let's let's read those together and then we'll pray. Starting in verse forty-six, chapter ten, verse forty-six. And they came to Jericho. And as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. And many rebuked him, telling him to be silent What do you want me to do for you? And the blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. This is God's word. Let's pray. Oh, Heavenly Father. We are beyond grateful for the words that you have for us this morning, the inspired words, the words that you spoke through Mark, who is now telling us a story of your son. I pray that you would remove distractions this morning as we come in and we listen and we sit under your word, that we may, we may see Christ more clearly, that we may see your mercy as our prize, your, your mercy as our plea and our joy and our boast that we would come to see that we live a life that is based off of your mercy towards us, that we received at the cross and that we continue to receive every day, that we never graduate from this position, a position of humility and asking and pleading and crying out for your mercy every day, Lord, I pray that that would land on each of our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Well, we continue in Mark once again, asking the big question: Who is Jesus? Who is this man? And then, secondly. How ought we to live in light of who he says he is and who he proves to be? We get a clear picture of both of these in this passage this morning. Now, we haven't had many model disciples yet in this gospel. Jesus being the model disciple, and yet all of his disciples really (laughs) modeling for us how not to be, how not to act what not to do. But this morning is a little bit different. Bartimaeus, Bartimaeus is modeling what true discipleship looks like. And this healing of him is, is the last healing in Mark, but it's a special one. It's not fancy. We just read it. It's not fancy. It's not long, There's not a ton of exciting things. There's no dirt and spit and and two-stage healings. It's pretty clean. It's pretty clear. But it's special. It's special. And there are some unique features in this healing. And it comes on the heels of the high point of Mark, verse 45, which has already been quoted this morning. It's going to be quoted now, and it's going to be quoted again. There's a reason for it. There is a reason for it. Verse 45, for the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. And then Jesus exemplifies exactly that with Bartimaeus, the blind beggar on the side of the road. Halting the agenda in order to meet the needs of those in pain, in suffering, and darkness. Noticing them and addressing their need. Let's dive in again. Now, this is a short passage this morning. So we're, we're going to take it slow. And we're going to go verse by verse. Sometimes a couple verses. Sometimes half a verse. So stick with me. We're just... We're going to slowly go through this, and we're going to, we're going to bring out what, what the Holy Spirit wants us to see and to hear when, when he wrote this through Mark. So verse 46, and they came to Jericho, and as he was leaving Jericho with his disciples and a great crowd, Bartimaeus, a blind beggar, the son of Timaeus, was sitting by the roadside. Now, Jericho, a familiar town, has a lot of history, about a half day's journey from Jerusalem. They're just about to leave and to head towards Jerusalem, to head towards the cross. And Jesus at this time, as we just read, has a large crowd behind him. His ministry at this point has gained a lot of attraction. You know, we have the messianic secret, and he tried to tell people not to let it out, and, and they couldn't help themselves. But now the ball is rolling, and more and more crowds are gathering with Jesus. And, and no, no doubt this is especially a large crowd. It's usual for a rabbi to have an entourage with him. But Jesus was, was a unique rabbi. So this is an especially large crowd going with him. And then we have Bartimaeus on the side of the road, whose name literally means son of Timaeus. This is just a, a funny aside, but when I, when I said to my son, Emmaus, I was teaching on Bartimaeus, he said, what are you teaching on me? And I did, I did not get it right away, like Bart Emmaus. So anyway, I thought I'd throw that in there. It was pretty cute. Now, Bartimaeus, okay, this is the only time in the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke. Okay, those three. This is the only time where the patient who is being healed is named. So there's a reason, right? When the the gospel writers give names, pay attention. Pay attention. Mark knows that his Roman readers are going to know who he's talking about. Bartimaeus. Remember the son of Timaeus. That guy. Many believe that the reason was is because he became a stalwart figure in the Jerusalem church. And we're going we're to see why. We're going to see why that was, that was the case. Sitting by the roadside, painting a picture that this is a man who is sidelined. He's on the out and out. He's on the margins of society. The insignificant. Picture with me. Blind Bart. Blind Bart. Bartimaeus, who gets up every morning and he picks off the straw from his clothes and he's feeling his way around his, his home. and He gets out the door and he's, he's making his way through the city and he hears voices but he can't see anything and he knows by, by the smell and the sound which way to go. And he continues to go down the road and, and he finds his spot in line with all the other beggars. That's, that's Bartimaeus' mourning. He's not contributing in the same way. He's not using his gifts to earn wages. He sits and he begs day after day, not even be able to see the people he is begging from. But then he heard something he heard something that was going to change his life forever. Bartimaeus would never be the same again. Brings us to point number 1. We've two points this morning. The first one is the desperate disciple. And the second is the merciful Messiah. Let's read verse 47. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Now, Jesus was a very popular name at this time. So no, no doubt that, that Bartimaeus sat there and heard many Jesuses come by. But Jesus of Nazareth, Jesus of Nazareth, this is different He is different. This is the one that he has been waiting for. This is the one he has been wanting and desiring and waiting to come into his life. And he cries out, Son of David. Son of David. Mark has not used this term yet. And yet, he's showing us the insight that Bartimaeus has. The blind man has this great insight to who Jesus really is. No other onlookers had interpreted Jesus as the Messiah, but he did. He understood that he was the son of David. The irony that a blind man sees more clearly of who Jesus is than most of his followers. Have mercy on me. That's his cry. Have mercy on me. Why have mercy? Why not heal me? Why wasn't that his first cry? What's going on in his mind? Has he been told that his blindness was due to his sin? Right? We understand this from John, John 9, that that was a common understanding, that when someone had uh, a handicap of this degree, that it was due to their sin or to their parents' sin, and it was generationally passed down. Is this what's going on in his mind? Is this why he's crying out, have mercy on me? I don't know. It could easily be. But he knows, regardless, he knows he needs mercy. That's what he needs. I want to give a quick definition of mercy. So patience and grace and mercy. All of these work together with God and how he acts towards us. But, but a little more narrowly defined. Mercy, this is by Wayne Grudem. Mercy is God's goodness towards those in misery or distress. God's goodness towards those in a state less than desirable. Now, Bartimaeus was in that state. He could have easily been bitter, resentful, complaining, settled in his ways and in his circumstances. I really got the short end of life here. I'm blind and I have to continue to beg just to live each day. It's pretty easy circumstances to settle in, especially when you've been trying to get out of them. Think about how many circumstances each week that put you in this state. Then ask, what's what's my response? How do I respond? I deserve better than this? Is that it? I've, I've worked hard, I've suffered much, and this is all I have to show for it? Or maybe it's, why should I spend time with God? Why should I read His Word? And why should I pray when it hasn't been working? I'm still where I don't want to be. The same job. I'm in the same apartment or the same small home. I continue in the same bad choices and the same sinful habits. Maybe I should just settle here. Because I've tried. I've tried doing different things to get out of them, and I continue to stay where I don't want to be. Or is it, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on me. Show me your goodness once again, because you have been so good to me. Show me it once again in my distress, in my misery in my sin, show me your mercy because it's oxygen to my soul. It is vital to my life. However my circumstances continue to be, I continually cry, have mercy on me because apart from you, I can do nothing. I can do nothing. Look back with me, verse 48. That's, that's the state in which Bartimaeus is in, and that's the position in which he is crying out. And then this is what they say. Many rebuked him, telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Many rebuked him because they saw this outsider as an obstacle to what they were trying to get done. An image bearer on the side of the road is seen as less than worthy than their time. Oh, and certainly less than worthy than the rabbi's time. His crying out, by the way, would have have been no small scene. Jesus comes in to Jericho and he's leaving Jericho Some yelling, Hosanna. Some asking questions, showing reverence. And over here, there's there's a blind beggar crying out, have mercy on me, son of David. That would have turned heads, and it did turn heads. And those heads went to go silence that voice. From the looks of him, nothing qualified this man to take up Jesus' time or any rabbi's time for that matter. How easy, at this point, how easy it would have been for him to give up. For him to say, I tried, I called out, and his own followers came over to rebuke me and to silence me. This is how it's been my entire life. Why should this be no different? I've I've given it what I have. But he didn't. He cried out all the more. This was his shot. This is what he had been waiting for. The one who taught with authority and did miracles and healed on demand is now leaving my town. This is my shot. I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of me and my Messiah. Because he can restore me. He can restore me. He was persistent. At the cost of being ostracized even more, he was persistent. And he put it all on the line because he was desperate. He was desperate. James Edwards, scholar, commentator that we've used a few times, says this, the kingdom of heaven, it has been said, is not for the well-meaning, but for the desperate. It's for the desperate. I saw Jesus' revolution a few days ago, and there's this, there's this scene in which Chuck Smith and Lonnie Frisbee are at a table talking. And this moment is a collision of two worlds, Chuck Smith being the older generation, set in his ways, kind of fundamentalist, not open to the spirit and what the spirit is doing. And on the other side, you have the opposite, Lonnie Frisbee, who is just so eager to see what the Spirit is doing in people's lives. And you're talking at this table, and and Lonnie is the 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 hippie Christian in which he, he ends up leading a lot of other hippies to Christ. And he's saying to Chuck, he's saying to the other guy, look, I know how you see them. I know how you look at them. They are looking for God. They are just looking for God in all the wrong places. But he says they're hungry. They're hungry for him. They're desperate for him. And when that door opens up, they flood in because they are desperate, and they are hungry to know their Savior. They were just looking in all the wrong places, and when those doors opened up, and when the Bible was opened up, and the truth proclaimed, they came flooding in, because they were hungry, and they were desperate for God's mercy, and to see Christ more clearly. Another scholar and pastor, Kent Hughes, says, spiritual blessings belong to those who go for it. Those who go for it. And Jesus in Matthew 5 says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Active verbs, hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are those who know their own unrighteousness and thirst to be restored and renewed into the image of Christ. That's what it is to be a desperate disciple, is to hunger and thirst and to be desperate, to be desperate for God's mercy in your life. And He he is merciful. He is merciful. Brings us to point number two the merciful Messiah. The merciful Messiah. We're going to read verse 49 first sentence in verse 49 and then we're going to stop. So pick up with me. Verse 49. And Jesus stopped and said, "Call him." Jesus stopped through the praises of through the praises and the and the chatter, he stopped for a cry of mercy from faith. Leaving Jericho, setting off to Jerusalem, the final destination, the crowds behind him gathering, the caravan rolling, and Jesus stands still. He stands still. He's interrupted once again. But Jesus doesn't mind being interrupted. Not like the disciples who had this agenda and no time for others. Jesus does not mind being interrupted. And And what care he has for those who are called insignificant. The the, the children who are called insignificant. The lepers, the blind, the deaf, the mute, all those who are sidelined. What care he has for them. And let me say this is this is difficult. This is not easy. It is not easy in this fast-paced environment in which we live to, to stop, to stand still, and to see those who are called insignificant, let alone those in our own households and those that we continually live life with, is to stop and to listen and to be attentive and to hear what they are saying. I, well, there's this, there's this guy who is probably in his, his mid 20s. And for the last year or so, I see him periodically where I live. I see him uh, at the grocery store. I see him at the library. And I see him waking up each morning out of his car. I see him living in his car. And especially during this dead of winter here in California, it is cold though. I can't imagine him sleeping in his car every night. And over the last year of seeing him, I have just been praying. God, open up a door. Let me, let me talk to him. Let me, let me converse with him and see what's going on in his life. And there haven't been many opportunities other than, you know, if I were to pull up by his car and say, hey, man, what's up? You know, sleeping in your car? Like, there's not a really good way to, to enter in that conversation. And so I've been praying for, like, a normal conversation because I continue to pass by him, and then you eventually realize, oh, that was him. I've been wanting to discuss it. That's been going on for like a year, seeing him every month or every other month. And I've been praying for those opportunities. And yesterday, when I'm in the library, and I'm preparing this sermon, and I'm walking down the stairs, going to, you know, the next thing. I happen to glance over, and he's sitting right there in the chair. And I'm preaching on Bartimaeus. Talk about God's providence, truly, in that moment. And this is not to... to boast myself at all. What I did was, was very small. So I, I'm not, but this is, this is to say reminding ourselves of taking that time and looking and seeing others. And I sat there for three, four minutes just praying, okay, how, how am I going to enter this conversation? What am I going to say to this guy? And I was mindful of it. And I, I just went over and I just introduced myself. I introduced myself, talked for a couple minutes in hopes that when I see him, more and more, I can continue that conversation. But what a, what a reminder. As I'm walking down the stairs preparing a sermon on a guy who is on the side of the road, I see this guy I've been seeing for the last year who's been living out of his car. I think to myself in that moment, what, what did Christ do when he saw those, when he saw people who, who society would call insignificant, or less than, or whatever, you name it. And it came to mind, and it just reminded me of the fact that Jesus came to serve and not to be served. Of course I can do the same. Of course I can give up whatever the next 10, 15 minutes that I have on my agenda to do for this image bearer of Christ. This may be hard, and this may be difficult for us, but it is not for him, for Jesus. It is not difficult. He delights in stopping and stooping to meet our needs. Ephesians 2 says, But God, being rich in mercy, because of his great love in which he loved us, even when we are dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ by grace you have been saved. Though we may tire and feel depleted, not having enough to give, God is rich in mercy, inexhaustible mercy that he delights to give to those who ask for it, who plead for it, who know that they need it. And Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, meaning that he continues to hear your cries for mercy, your moments of desperation, in order to meet your greatest need. He continues to condescend and to lend an ear to our cries for mercy. The one whom through the universe was created, the stars and the planets formed, the one who calms the sea and stills the wind, the one who knows every longing of Bartimaeus's heart. And stops for his plea of desperation, hears and sees your pain and your suffering and your cry for mercy. But the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In his goodness, in his goodness, he meets us in our sin, he meets us in our darkness at our lowest point. In our most desperate circumstances. And he takes us to the cross where he gave his life for us so that we might have true life. He did this once, it is finished. But he continues to bring us there and to remind us of his rich mercy. It's offered at any time to anyone who recognizes their need for it. Because the cross, the cross is where the wrath of God was poured out on another so that we might receive only mercy. Where justice and mercy meet. How can God do both? Be merciful and just. Because sin itself is condemned in Christ on the cross. That's justice. And then flowing through that is only mercy for us. And this morning, if you haven't received or believed in Christ, and you haven't received this mercy, cry out for it. You you only need to bring your desperation That's all you need to bring. This is what it looks like to become a disciple and to live as a disciple. Never, never moving on that desperate plea for mercy. Knowing that the King of mercy is willing and able and happy to give it. Constantly. He is happy to do so. Let's continue verse 49. We're going to read the second half of verse 49 through verse 51. So this is after Jesus just stopped, and he's looking, and he called Bartimaeus, told them to call him. So pick up, second half of verse 49. And they called the blind man, saying to him, take heart, get up, he's calling you. And throwing off his cloak, he sprang up and came to Jesus. And Jesus said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabbi, let me recover my sight. Let me recover my sight. Bartimaeus, at first cry of being helped, is rebuked. Now being called by the son of David. Imagine his excitement. Imagine his heart racing as he rushes over to meet face to face the son of David, the Messiah, the one he's been longing for. Imagine what is going on inside of him, and then to get there, and for this Messiah to say to him, what do you want me to do for you? What do you want me to do for you? As mentioned earlier, no unfamiliar question by Jesus. The first words in the Gospel of John, Jesus is saying to the disciples following him, what what are you seeking? Cutting right to the heart. He's constantly cutting right to the heart. John chapter 5, the pools of Bethesda, the invalid who's been sitting there for 38 years, watching others go in front of him, get healed. And Jesus asks him, do you want to get well? What's going on? Do you even want to get well? And then, with the exact same words, he asked James and John, the chapter before, what we heard last week. And do you remember their reply? He says, what do you guys want me to do for you? And their response is, we want to sit at your right hand and your left hand. We want glory. We want to be exalted like you, Jesus. That's what we want. And what... A contrast between their response and Bartimaeus' response. Have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Now Bartimaeus knew what he wanted. To be made whole, to not be in darkness any longer. James Edwards, again, says, For those who are well, normalcy is the bare minimum. But for the ill and troubled, normalcy is God's greatest gift. He didn't ask for glory. Just ordinary eyesight. To see the amazing things of God's creation. To hear the birds. To see see the birds that he's been hearing all his life. To see the people he's been begging from. The dirt that he's been walking on. But ultimately, to see the face of the one who made all of those things. To see the face of the son of David, the one he's been hearing about and anticipating and waiting for to come into his town and to walk by his roadside. It was enough. It was enough for Bartimaeus to see clearly. See in order to follow. In order to follow Christ. So it brings us to the question posed at the beginning. Is what do you want? What really do you want? Is it a better job that pays better? That that's less hours, it's easier commute, it's a better living situation? Trying to trying to upgrade from, from apartment to house or bigger house? Better location? Is it better relationships? Maybe those aren't going as well as you like. Is it a more exciting life? Maybe just being tired of the daily grind, the mundane? But what would it look like in your life if you were to answer that question that you wanted to see more clearly? You wanted to see Christ more clearly, who he is, what he has done, what he continues to do. You know, the Puritans had a saying called, more light. And when they would, when they would read, and these were committed folk. These, they prayed for hours. They read for hours. They were dedicated. And you know what they prayed? You know what they asked for? Is more light, more light, more light. They asked for God the Holy Spirit, to illumine the pages of Scripture, to let them see their Savior more clearly, to see Him better. Give me insight into who you are. Let me see the shepherd who takes care of his sheep and the lamb who has died to take away their sins. Let me see that. Jesus responded to Bartimaeus' understanding of his own darkness. His own need for mercy. A man in life who did not have many rewards is now rewarded to a greater degree than he could have possibly imagined. Jesus stopped the caravan and called a beggar on the side of the road to himself because that beggar knew he was a beggar. He persisted in faith for Jesus to make him whole. And he was rewarded. He was rewarded. Let's finish up. Last verse. Verse 52. See his reward. And Jesus said to him, Go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him on the way. His recognition of himself, his own darkness, and his persistent faith was rewarded. And what's, what response should this elicit? To live the rest of your life following Jesus. The one that you've been waiting so long to see. And Jesus says, go your way. Bartimaeus says, my way is your way. I'm going I'm to follow you. To live the rest of my life going where you're going. And as we've seen in this gospel, there have been many that have been healed. Some went away telling their story. Some went away proclaiming Christ and saying, this has been done, I have been healed. Some returned to their work with gratitude in their hearts. But only this man immediately follows and to no other place than the cross, to no other place than Jerusalem. Jerusalem. I mentioned earlier that his was the only name mentioned, and and this was why. This was why. Because he said, the only thing I can do now is to follow. I asked for mercy, you gave it. Now in response, I'm going to give my life to you. I'm going to continue to follow wherever that leads me, wherever you go. Now Mark started this story Mark started this, these, this story about Bartimaeus as him sitting by the roadside. And yet he ends it with him on the roadside, on the way. Same Greek word. Roadside and way are the same word. And Mark's saying, the beginning, beginning, he was sidelined. At the beginning, he was watching and observing, crying out for mercy. And now, he's swept up in it. He's on the way and he's on the road. That's where Bartimaeus ends up. That's why he ends up as a figure in the Jerusalem church and a name in his gospel because he followed him. What else is there to do? All of us, before we started on the road, were beside the road in darkness, enslaved in our sin. Then Christ called our name and he made us alive with his great mercy. So recognize, recognize your need for mercy. The places in your life where you don't see so clearly and cry out for him to give you sight. Sight that sees him as the greatest joy. And then follow him with that joy. Follow him in joy, knowing that you've already received abundantly more than you can ask or deserve because of his great mercy pray with me oh god your your mercy is our plea and i pray that we would recognize this that we would really come to a true understanding that we can do nothing apart from your mercy your goodness towards us in whatever state we're in, in whatever circumstances we're in. And that we know and we trust that you are a merciful Savior. And that you will do what you said you're going to do. And that as we read in the pages of Scripture in the Gospel here of Mark, that Jesus, when you walked this earth, you cared for those who are on the side of the road. You stopped for them even when you had a far greater agenda than we do, going to the cross and dying for the sins of the world, you stopped and, and you saw a man crying for mercy. Oh Lord, I pray we would do the same and that we would cry to you for mercy in ourselves each and every day, asking and pleading for you to be patient with us. And give us your undeserved goodness. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.